I disagree. I don't think they're rolling over in their graves right now. I mean, that's a that's a good argument. I mean, I think we should do that on another show sometime. Like, who's the better coach, Brian Kelly or you know the ghost of Frank Beamer? <laughs> the ghost of Frank Beamer. <laughs> I mean, it's a legit question. I'm just saying. Uh, it's probably something you could debate. I don't think it's a debate. I think Kelly's a better coach, but whatever. And now, now that we're off to that start, welcome back, everyone. Winding down on previews. This week, we're looking at the SEC West. I'm here with Timmy and Jason. Timmy, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Looking at SEC West should be a good discussion. Uh, I don't know if that I'm as high on as some of the teams that you guys are and vice versa. So should be uh should be interesting. Should be spicy. Yeah, I don't know that it'll be like the Big 12 was because uh, just I don't think it's quite as evenly matched. There's a little more dispersion of talent. But a couple of these, I'm going to be honest, Jason, um, if you'd asked me a week ago without doing any sort of research on these numbers, I, I think the overs and unders I came up with are probably not significantly different, but some clear differences uh, as opposed to after I've looked at them. What did, did, did you have kind of the same feel? You changed your mind as you went or? Well, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to set the odd, I'm going to set the total right now. Uh, over under total for teams that we unanimously agree on. I'm going to set the line at one and a half. Who's taking the over? Uh, I'll take, I'll take the over on that. I think there's at least two teams here. I say under. Yeah. I'm on the under. I think we only unanimously all agree on one team. And, but uh, anyway, no, nah, man, I'm excited to get into it. It's a uh, big boy football. Finally, we get to talk about some actual fucking football teams and players that aren't just complete trash. And I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't know if anybody's dusted off like the, the head coaching alone in this division, how fucking elite it is. Like from Saban, <laughs> you got guys like, you know, Brian Kelly now, Leach, Kiffin, Jimbo. I mean, it's just one after the next. They're all fucking good. So I don't know, man. I think this is the best lineup of head coaches we've had in the West in a long time. So pretty pumped to uh, dive into it. Well, let's do that. Let's dive into it. Let's start off with the first team um, on our list. And you didn't specifically call him out as one of the elite coaches, but he might be a year or two away from maybe kind of elbowing his way into the kind of the upper tier discussion based on how he started off the first couple of seasons. And that is Sam Pittman at Arkansas. They surprised some people last year. They won nine games. They come into this season with a, a Vegas total of seven and a half. So tell me about the Razorbacks. Oh boy. The pit master Pittman. Yeah. I I'm with you. I like Pittman a lot. Just, I mean, I think we all agree they massively overachieved last year. I think he, you know, if he wouldn't have got like blown out 37 to nothing by Georgia, might have garnered some coach of the year consideration. But uh, anyway, looking forward to this year, KJ Jefferson, he was fantastic last year at quarterback. He threw for 2,600, 21 touchdowns, four picks, and he was also their leading rusher, you know, rushed for 800 yards and another six scores. Something I like about Arkansas that like Kendall Browse has done a really good job as their offensive coordinator, like getting the most out of what he has. Now, that being said, they're going to have to find a replacement for Traylon Burks. I mean, losing that dude to the NFL, he was a straight up playmaker, their biggest threat. I I don't know how they're going to replace him, but it's going to be tough. I, I would expect him to be real run heavy again this year. I'm not a fan of having your quarterback as your leading rusher, but uh, that may be the case again this year. But 
I still think they'll give some teams some problems. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, Barry Odom, kind of the same thing, done a really good job running that side of the ball. Last season, they gave up 22 points a game and about 100 yards less per game on the total yardage given up than like the previous five seasons, you know, the average. So the problem is, is that they lose about 50% of their production on defense. And that includes two, two guys who had over 100 tackles. Losing that much production, I think they take a little bit of a step back on defense. Now, schedule-wise, it's tough, man, because I'm a Pittman guy. Like, I love the Pittmaster, and I like the combo of coordinators that he's got, like I said, with Browse and uh, Odom. I think the rest of the conference ultimately is getting better on offense, and I think they take a step back on defense. So, you know, non-conference schedule that includes Cincy, Liberty, and BYU, to me, none of those are just like you could check them off. It's just guaranteed wins. So add that to the, you know, just brutal SEC West schedule that they have to play every year. And I just, I simply won't risk them repeating and getting over seven and a half. So I think they go seven to five. I'm on the under. So you talked about KJ Jefferson being the leading rusher, and it's not like they were completely devoid of talent at running back because they had three other guys who ran for 500 yards. I mean, it was it was fairly even across those four dudes, right? I, and I don't know right offhand how many of those guys they have back. I'm pretty sure they have Rocket Sanders back this season, right? Yeah, they bring back pretty much all but one of those guys. Okay, so I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm not a fan of necessarily your quarterback being your leading rusher, but it's not like he's their only threat. Timmy, what do you what do you think? Well, how you how are you you viewing Arkansas? Uh, well, I guess we're gonna be zero for one in our over under over under pool here. <laughs> the thing for me is that I like the trajectory of this Arkansas program, and I really do believe that this year's team is gonna be better than last year's. It's I'm I'm with Jason where it's not gonna be necessarily in the win loss column though. Uh, like he already said, their schedule is not a breeze. You know, the non-conference schedule for me is really tough. Like you already highlighted, BYU, Cincinnati, those guys, not just automatic Ws. Coupled with the fact that, you know, there are some teams on their schedule that were relatively easy Ws last year that are improved from last year. You know, look at like South Carolina. Uh, I don't know, man. I I'm going to reluctantly take the over because I do think that they can win eight, but that's the very height of the ceiling, and it would not shock me whatsoever to see them go under seven. But I'll reluctantly take the over at eight wins. All right. Well, I'm going to take the over as well, and I might not be as reluctant as Tim, but I look, you know, South Carolina at home, I feel good about that one. Uh, Non-conference, you talked about Cincy and BYU. Those might not be gimmies. I don't know how good Cincinnati is going to be. They lost a lot. Uh, they lost their four best players on defense, their quarterback, their running back. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, their they're non-conference schedule, they'll be favored in every one of those games. They should be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like I'm saying they're going to be just gauntlets. Yeah. At BYU, I'm not – I don't feel great about that one. But you know, Liberty, I don't know that they're going to be – they're a question mark too, right, with Malik Willis gone. I mean, I can – pretty easily pencil them in for at least six and then do they split the rest of their you know they get AM at home they get lsu at home they play at auburn that's not an easy place to play but i don't know how good auburn is going to be either so i i think they can get to eight but i don't know i mean they're, they're not a double digit win team to me but i think they can get to eight wins so we have our first dissension of the week absolutely stunning speaking of dissension 
Let's talk about Old Miss because I'm curious to see if, uh, if if we're all lined up on this one. Another team that that maybe lost some key pieces, and another team that has a seven and a half win total from Vegas. So, how are you feeling about them? You, you on the under on them as well? <sighs> I am on the under, and it's not like. <sighs> This okay. This is a reluctant under. I should point that out. Like it's not something I would bet either way. Like I, I hate that it's at seven and a half. I think like seven would be a great number for them, and I would lean more towards a push. But I think, like I think seven and five is more likely than eight and four or nine and three. But I should preface this with they're going to probably start eight to nine transfers, like in their starting lineup minimum. And probably 14 to 15 will play pretty regularly. So to me, that spells trouble early, but I'll get to that in a minute. Now, they do have uh, new co-offensive coordinators and a new defensive coordinator. So starting on the offensive side, we expect Jackson Dart to get the nod. He came over from USC. I mean, he was decent as a freshman. He completed 62% of his passes, 13.59 touchdowns, five picks. Battled some injuries. But uh, there's also a slight possibility that uh, Luke Altmaier gets the nod, but I expect Dart to be QB1. Now, the most notable addition they made in the transfer portal to me is Zach Evans at running back from TCU. He's a home run threat. We've talked about him. Really good gift for them. Now, they, they don't have much depth behind him. They pretty much lost everybody else that was even remotely a contributor to rushing yards. So transfers, who knows? Same thing with wide receiver. They brought in five wide receiver transfers, and they're all going to play. So I have no idea. Complete wild card. I'm not going to go and dig through all those dudes to find out if they're even remotely good. Now, (laughs) offensive line, they do have four starters back, so that is a good thing because if you guys remember, like Matt Corral was roughed up a lot last year. They gave up 34 sacks. So if that improves, then maybe Dark can stay healthy. And I mean, Kiffin... I don't even know why he's got an offensive coordinator because Kiffin is an offensive guru, and I think they'll probably still light up the scoreboard ultimately. Defensively, I think they take a step back even further from where they were last year, which is not good because they sucked. We sucked. And six of their eight top tacklers are gone. They brought in a shit ton of transfers. It's a giant mystery. And the guy that they hired as their defensive coordinator, Maurice Crum, he came over from Western Kentucky. If you guys want to just puke, Go look at Western Kentucky's defensive stats the last two years. It's gross. I don't know. Maybe Kiffin's got history with him, but <laughs> he, did, he didn't do anything at Western Kentucky to wow me. So I, I don't really understand that higher. But uh, schedule-wise, I'm on the under, like I said, because I think there's a great, I think there's a great chance they get to eight. But to do so, they're going to have to start like six and one at a minimum to me, because the last five games of their schedule are absolutely fucking brutal. I mean, they go to LSU, to Arkansas, to A&M, and they're home against Bama and probably an improved Mississippi State team. While it's possible, I'm not willing to bet on it. It's similar to USC. Too many transfers, unknowns. It's just not a bet I'm willing to make, man, so give me the under. Yeah, I'm on the under as well, just because too much new. Uh, Kind of like what I said with Oklahoma last week, you know, new quarterback, new receivers, new coordinators. And and from what I've read on Mississippi, it doesn't sound like they're at all settled on who the quarterback is even yet. And that's, for me, that's kind of a red flag. Like, if you don't know who your starting quarterback is week one by now, by mid-August, not great. (sighs) 
I, I don't know that because I mean, in today's world, you got to think if you name a starter, the other guy's liable to fucking transfer. And, and now well, your quarterback I mean, room's short a fucking guy. Maybe <laughs> he does. And, but then, you know, now you got one guy who's not getting the guy that you're eventually going to start. He's not getting all those first team reps. He's not as prepared and you get the, the nightmare scenario like Texas ran into where, well, this guy had a bad half. Let's give the other guy a shot. And then you're flip-flopping for the first four games of the year. And it's just Dave Aranda to me did it the best because at the end of spring practice, he said, Hey, this guy, this guy's going to be our starter. And he gave Bohannon all summer to graduate, find a spot and go and compete for that job. So, but August is a whole different deal. And I just, I don't feel great about it. There's the back end of their schedule. Boy, it's for me, what would ordinarily be kind of like what we call the 50, 50 games. They're all on the road, like at yeah. LSU, at Arkansas, at A&M. So yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, on that, the, that, I'm on the seven win train. That Kentucky game at home is not a gimme either. I mean, right. It's not. So, so, you know, they get, they get Auburn at home, which is much better than playing Auburn in Jordan hair, but you know, I'm pretty sure Auburn beat them last year. Right. Uh, yes, they did. Yeah. So uh, no telling. I don't, Timmy, what do you got? Is this our first unanimous? Sound the alarm, boys. We're unanimous on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is the SEC version of USC with all these transfers, man. You yes. Know, you, you can't open Twitter without seeing Lane Kiffin and that fucking stupid hashtag. Come to the sit. I'm like, get out of here with that crap. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns. I said it with USC. I'm not a believer in the college version of free agency and, and the free agency frenzy roster. I just don't see that as being a viable solution in the college game. You got to have some continuity in there, man. Jackson Dart, not the answer at quarterback. And like you guys already said, the back end of their schedule is pretty brutal. Seven wins, taking the under. Makes you wonder. I thought about this today. It makes you wonder, like some of these teams, where they would be if the transfer portal didn't exist. Like they'd win four games. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, we're we're over here, and it's a complete wild card. I mean, honestly, we have no fucking idea how good Ole Miss is going to be because we don't know half the fucking players that they've got that they're going to be starting. They're coming from random places, and who knows how they're going to translate or how they're going to fit in, and whether or not they take a step forward or back, or how well they have chemistry with the quarterback. We don't know. So we're just shooting and, you know, we're just, it's a shot in the dark for us to bet. But if I'm with you, if they did, if the transfer portal didn't exist, this team would be fucking three and nine this year. Yeah. The tough thing with all the transfers with as little, you know, practice time as you get in the college game, it's just tough to build that rapport and learn new systems and it sets you up to drop games that you should win easy, you know, early in the schedule. So uh, that's why I don't like it. Speaking of transfers, oh god, we'll move on to a team that had a lot of guys in the in the early bit of the off season transfer out. It was kind of a messy situation. We've talked about it. We don't need to rehash it now. But Auburn, they have a six and a half win total from Vegas. Jason, are you in Auburn right now? I am in Auburn right now. I'm actually uh, at the lovely Grand National Resort right now, and it's fantastic. If, you, uh, if you're a listener and you want to play re- a really nice golf course, feel free to come to Auburn because they've got a badass one down here. But Do they have a badass uh, football team? Uh, well, let's, let's dive into it because I, I, 
I'm an Alabama fan, as you guys know, but for our listeners, if you didn't know that, if this is your first time listening to the show, I've been a lifelong Alabama fan, but I'm not one of those guys who tries to just completely poo-poo Auburn all the time and say they suck. Like, I do try to give them credit when it's due. Publicly. Publicly. (laughs) Shut your fucking face. Anyway, so... Look, I could look at this team a couple of different ways, right? Because I could focus on all the offseason distractions that you talked about, Eric. You know, the transfers, players crushing Harson on social media, the school's desperate attempt at basically fabricating a cause to fire him, all of that. Or I could just strictly look on the field and look at the talent they have and see, you know, what's going to happen in that realm. So I'm going to, for this, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to choose the latter. Because honestly, the offseason shit, it's like a, a yearly occurrence at Auburn. It seems like they've always got some kind of offseason shit, their coach on the hot seat or something. So, okay. So just from a football perspective, they do have two new coordinators they promoted from within on both sides. Both of these guys were with Harson at Boise. So I, who knows? But uh, looking at offense, my guess is that TJ Finley will be the dude again. I'm not a Zach Calzada buyer, and Robbie Ashford is probably the best athlete, but he's not what I would call a great passer. Whoever it is, it's not good. Finley completed 54% of his passes last year, and looking at this year, he lost his best two receivers. I think that's their biggest hole on offense is receiver. I don't know who the hell's going to be catching 54% of those passes. So uh, bottom line, this is a run-first team because they do have two really good backs. Tank Bigsby and uh, Jarquez Hunter. They're both really good. Now, depth is a concern at virtually every position for this team, so keep that in mind. But defensively, I think they take a bit of a step back on defense. I know we talked about all the transfers, like the eight defensive linemen that transferred, but they actually do have quite a bit of talent there. They're just a little bit young, and they're not very deep. So it's one of those things, if they get off to a hot start and they get some momentum, You know, their offense is able to get going and extend some drives. Then maybe those guys aren't gassed on the back end of some of these games and they can, you know, continue to play well. But the rest of the defense, I mean, I think it takes a step back. Losing Roger McCreary and Smoke Monday, just I think that kills their secondary. So that doesn't look good for me. But the schedule, I think for them to go over and win seven games, they have to beat one or the other or both of Penn State and LSU in the first five weeks. I don't know that they can do that. They're both at home. Auburn's tough at home. So I think if they get one of those, they've got a good chance to go over and win seven games because the rest of the schedule is just brutal. Road trips to Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Tuscaloosa. I don't like it, but Auburn, they could surprise and win seven, but it's just not something I'm willing to bet on. I don't trust them. And especially given the lack of support for Harson from within the program, it's just not a bet I'm willing to make, man. So give me the under. Timmy, what do you think? I don't like what's going on down there at all. That's a, that's a big piece of it for me. But also on the field stuff, you know, separately, if, if you're looking at the team from last year, they're just so inconsistent Damn near beat Alabama the last game of the year, but then before that they go and lose to South Carolina and Mississippi State. Like they're just a hard team to get a read on, you know, on the field wise. But I think 
that inconsistency carries over to this year. And I'm going to take the under, man. I think six wins is definitely on the horizon for this team. Could they win seven? Yeah, but not any more than that. So give me the under. All right. Well, we're stuck on one unanimous and oh over like so for all of the reasons i took the under on mississippi i'm going to ignore those as far as new coordinators transfers all that stuff and i'm going to take the over on auburn you kidding me kind of the same thing as as far as old miss right with the 50 50 games except auburn has them at home and auburn might have you know they're in the discussion for best home field advantage in college football I mean, that place is extremely difficult to go in and get a win. So getting no Penn State at home where they lost by, I believe, six points last year on the road. Yeah. They get LSU at home. They get Arkansas at home. And even at Alabama, yeah, they'll probably lose. But that game, you know, Iron Bowl is one of those. I don't know. There's nothing real instructive from those games uh, as far as those two teams because it's always hard fought and competitive most of the time. So. I think they can win at least one of those those uh, Penn State and LSU games at home, if not both. So they should be four and one going into the Georgia game, where I think they'll probably get smoked. But you know, I think they can go to Mississippi State and get a win. You know, I think they could maybe go to Ole Miss and get a win. I think they could possibly beat Arkansas or A and M at home. Um, and I'm going to take the glass half full kind of rose colored glasses approach to this. Because I think all the off-season drama could be kind of a almost like a gal- galvanizing factor for them, as far as kind of a a bit of an us against the world mentality for the guys who are still there. Frankly, I want them uh, to go over because I want I want Harson to win like ten games and have Auburn try to extend him, and then so they can he, fire him six months later. No, so they so they can like say, hey, you know we. <laughs> You know, go go crawling back with their hat in their hands. Hey, you know, we're sorry about all that. We want to extend you. And he tells them to pack sand and he bolts for some other place. I think Eric's trying to sabotage our coaches on the hot seat over here, man. We're going to get him a shirt. He's on the over on Norvell, Harsons. Who else are you on the over on, man? Holy am, shit. I, am I on the over for Nor- I don't remember. I think I took the under <laughs> for them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you picked Florida State to win the fucking ACC or some shit like that. Okay, uh, no, I I know that didn't happen. It was it was Nebraska. I was on the under four. That uh, oh, so that wraps up the first one, and then we will move along to Timmy, your first team. And I had to give you these guys. Oh boy! There's no way anyone else could possibly do justice to this. It's an even number. It's a round number total, which I hate. Uh, but LSU seven wins over or under. All right, we're going to try to look at this objectively, all right? So, like you said, over or under, it's seven wins. Nice round number. I like it. So, looking at them bringing on to the field this year, they're bringing back six kids from last year's team, three on each side of the ball. Kidding me? You kidding me? Welcome to LSU and the SEC, Brian Kelly, by the way. Have you won a national title yet? You know, get used to those expectations, Brian, because that's the attitude in Baton Rouge. You either won a national title or you didn't, and your season was a letdown. You know, go ask Ed O about that. So get used to those expectations. But if we're looking at the team on the field, I'll start on the offense and the quarterback situation that's going on there because that just got real interesting real fast. You know, it was a three-way battle between Miles Brennan, Jaden Daniels, and the freshman kid, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. 
But then the other day, Miles Brennan just decided he was going to take his ball and go home. You know, he didn't enter the transfer portal. He just straight up quit college football, like all of it. And mm. that's got to make you pause for a second and, and just question and wonder about what's going on behind the scenes there. When a fifth year senior just up and quits the whole damn sport a few weeks before the season starts. You know, maybe it was personal stuff. Maybe it wasn't. It's just things to make you go, hmm, you know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. But well, the rumor, be- th- to touch on that, the rumor that I heard was basically that he got told he wasn't going to start. Yeah, I've, I've seen multiple reports that he was he was told he would not be the starting quarterback and in lieu of you know, trying to transfer or sitting for a year. He just kind of, right. you know, and that dude's had a pretty tough road so far. Yeah. yeah. But like I like I said, it just makes you wonder about what's going on back there. So you know that leaves Jaden Daniels up against the freshman, and you know who knows how that's going to work out. I, I don't I don't know really much about either of those two guys. You know Jaden Daniels, he had some good stats early in his career. And, you know then the COVID year in the Pac-12, they played like one or two games, and then last year he had a decent season, but. You know, he threw 10 touchdowns and also had 10 picks. So there's that. But, you know, whoever gets the quarterback job is at least going to have, you know, one bright spot in throwing the ball to Keishon Butte. You know, that kid's basically a human highlight reel. So that that's going to be a high for them. And, you know, the rest of their wide receiver core is, is still young, but they're a high caliber group. And they'll definitely make some plays for the offense this year. But the the real question, you know, on offense will be, will whoever the quarterback be have time to throw the ball? Because the offensive line is kind of a work in progress. You know, they lost a bunch from a subpar unit last year, and there isn't much to point to this year that says the guys coming in are going to be significantly that much better. The pass pro and the run blocking overall needs to be much improved from last year's squad for them to be successful on offense because that unit, you know, really let them down, in my opinion, last year. Uh, Going to the defensive side of the ball, it'll be better than the offense, uh, but I already said they're only bringing back three kids, and, you know, their whole secondary is basically gone. And LSU is supposed to be known, you know, for their defensive back play and DBU and all that stuff. And this year it's just going to be a bunch of plug-ins from the transfer portal. So I don't know how well DBU is going to show up this year, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, the defensive line should be strong. B.J. Ojolari, he'll, he'll anchor the group up front and be a constant presence in the opposing team's backfield. But they're going to have to be because their linebacking core is is really a huge question mark. So, you know, the defensive line is going to be strong, but everybody behind them, not so much in my opinion. The the bottom line on LSU for me is that, you know, this team got absolutely gutted from a team that won six games. You know, Brian Kelly could very well be the long play for LSU here and in two or three years could be standing underneath the confetti but definitely not this year. I can definitively say that they'll win six games. You know, I gave them wins against Florida State, Southern, Mississippi State, Auburn, UAB, and New Mexico. And then they have a toss-up game with Florida. Everyone else, I don't think they have a shot at beating. So that puts me at a seven-win ceiling. And because of the 50-50 game with Florida, I'm going to lean on the under, so I'll take the under. You don't think they can beat Tennessee at home? 
I think Tennessee's going to be a good squad this year, man. I mean, I, I think, think they'll th- be good, but I think I think they'll give every bit of LSU you know, everything they can handle. All right, you're just not willing to entertain it, though, huh? No, like I said, give you're me just the it down as an L right off the bat in mid-August. Chalk it up. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jason, tell him where he's right or wrong. He's wrong, and I'm going to tell him why. First of all. LSU schedule sets up really, really nice for them. Now, I know all the transfer stuff. I know all the Brian Kelly hatred that Timmy holds in his heart. Nonetheless, LSU schedule sets up really nice for them, man. I mean, their road games at Auburn, I think that's probably a win. At Florida, toss-up. At Arkansas, also toss-up. At A&M. I mean, conventional wisdom would say A&M wins that, but, I mean, we've seen that game go to seven overtimes. You know, it's that game's always crazy, and who knows what both of those teams are going to look like at the end of the year. I mean, it's just – I mean, opening the season at Florida State, I like them there. I think they start 4-0, and and then they go on the road to Auburn, possibly 5-0, and and then Tennessee at home. Like you said, winnable game, possibly. Tennessee doesn't play any defense. I think LSU's got the probably the best wide receiver core in the conference, except maybe Alabama. I mean, it's – they're loaded at wideout, like Timmy said. So I think, I mean, Jaden Daniels, if you guys remember, he had like some some murmurs of like Heisman, you know, hype when he was at Arizona State, you know, when he was like really young coming into, you know, his sophomore year or whatever. And then obviously Herm Edwards, I mean, just that, that program's a dumpster fire. So I'm not going to take what he did last year and really put a whole lot of stock in that. I think that who they hired, I mean, what's the, what's the guy's name? They, uh, they hired Cincinnati's offensive coordinator, uh, Mike Denbrock. Yeah, he was uh, Cincinnati's OC the last three seasons or four seasons. So they got a good OC. Kelly's a good coach. I think he's inheriting a roster that, while it's not incredibly deep, is still really talented and has been recruited really well. So give me the over. I would say eight wins, you know, if – Everything, absolutely everything breaks right for them, nine and three. Spectacular group of men. That's up. Jeez. The reason I hate the round number totals is because I like nine times out of ten, I would push it. And I would too on this one. I I wouldn't even touch it. If I had to pick one or the other, I think it's more likely they go under. Yeah. just Just because I don't have a whole you know, I go back to the new coach and I don't know who the quarterback is in mid August and I just don't feel good about it. So I'm gonna take the under. And we'll get one more in before we go to break. Yet again, they come into the season with some clout, and there's no real concrete evidence that it's 100% deserved. (laughs) Timmy, the Aggies. Well, we know what Tim's going to – just go ahead and say you're on the over. I know. Tim, Texas A&M, eight and a half, over, under. Wait for it. Returning nine from last year's squad four on offense and five on defense and you know we've all heard about jimbo and the dump trucks with cash rolling in for last year's recruiting class but you know let's take a look and see if those guys are actually going to make a difference for the aggies this year on offense i'll start with the most important position on the field a quarterback there was a camp battle uh, between Haynes King and the LSU transfer, Max Johnson. And Jimbo's keeping his his cards close to his chest. But m- my money is on Haynes King coming out in week one. You know, that kid broke his leg in the second game of the season last year. And Zach Calzada came in and 
he was hit or miss. So I, I like Haynes King to at least get the nod from Jimbo to come out week one and try to finish what he started last year. The wide receiver group, uh, in my opinion, should be something to watch for this year. You know, they have a proven talent in Smith and Moose Muhammad sprinkled in with a little of that five-star dump truck freshman talent. Uh, I like the look of the wide receiver room this year. It's, it's a good mix of proven experience with some new high-end talent. The, the running game uh, has a potential big hitter as well, and uh, the dude's got elite speed, man. He, he's like a world-class sprinter, and he rushed for 900 yards last year as the number two man. So expect those totals to go up pretty significantly as he gets more carries. The offensive line, uh, they're going to be replacing some guys, uh, but I think they're going to be replacing them with overall better players. And, and if you combine that with the fact that the guys who are returning from last year, they're young, but they're also very talented and they acquitted themselves very well last year. I like the offensive line to take a big step forward from where it was at last year. And I, I think they're going to have some, some success in the running game uh, that they didn't really have all the time last year. Uh, moving to the defensive side of the ball, I really, really like their secondary. You know, they're really talented back there, headlined by the All-American Antonio Johnson, and he's going to play alongside the other guys from the defensive backfield last year. They're all coming back. So I like the talent, and I like the continuity in the backfield. But then you got to look up front. They're going to be really good up front. They have – Returning guys, uh, they also have a, a deep mix of four, count them, four five-star freshmen. So the dump truck money's coming in again. So that could be the biggest improvement on defense for me is just having that extra depth of guys that you can rotate to. You know, The only real question on defense uh, for me is just the linebacking core. They weren't really an inspiring group last year. Uh, and they definitely have some things to prove this year. But when you have an, an elite group of you know secondary players behind you and a very solid defensive line in front of you, that should help them out pretty drastically. The, the bottom line for me is, is they're not going to challenge Alabama for the West title this year, but I think eight and a half is a game too low. I think they can win nine, and it's debatable they could possibly win a tenth, but either way, I'm on the over. Oh, Jason, I'll let you uh, give your rebuttal first. Uh, no rebuttal. I'm actually on the over as well. I barely. Now, I, I, I'm going to pencil them in for a loss at Alabama right out of the gate because I don't. In Tuscaloosa, I don't like it. I, I think Alabama will probably be double-digit favors over every team they play this year, but we'll get to that. Outside of that game, I don't look at their schedule and find any other game that I say that's a loss. You know, there's a few toss-up games, sure. But most of their toss-ups are at home. Florida, that's at home. You know, Arkansas, that's a neutral site game in Dallas. I mean, Miami, that that's at home. LSU's at home. So I just, I like them to get to nine wins here. I can't stand Jimbo, but ultimately, they've got a ton of talent still. I think they're the second most talented team in the West, just, you know, off of pure recruiting. And like Timmy said, with all those big-time freshmen coming in, Maybe a couple of those guys make an impact unexpectedly, and I expect them to get to nine or ten wins. So give me the over. Oh, all right. Well, that's the second one. I didn't think we'd get a unanimous on Texas A&M, and if we did, I wouldn't have expected it to be the over. But uh, And the reason 
I'm going to reluctantly take the over because this team just seems to always find a way to go eight and four period. Uh, it's because of the reasons you listed Jason, all, all of what would be their toss up games, you know, Miami, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, Old Miss, those are all home games. A&M has always been kind of a show me first and I'll believe it sort of team, but I just, I, I think they'll get to nine and then I'm, I'm not thrilled to say it, but I, yeah, nine and three, probably 10. Well, you got to ultimately take it back to the quarterback position. I mean, go and look at their quarterback stats from last year. They were fucking terrible. I mean, Haynes King completed 62% of his passes, but he only threw 35 passes. I mean, Calzada completed 56%. He wasn't good. Now, Jimbo does a fucking terrible job, uh, and I'm, I don't care who hears it. He is terrible. He's supposed to be this big quarterback guru. He does a fucking horrible job of getting the most out of his quarterbacks. Like they are like the least explosive passing offense in the SEC. And it's not fucking close. Like maybe Auburn is worse than them this year as far as explosive plays go. They just don't make explosive plays. Let me ask you a question about Jimbo and quarterbacks. Okay. Since Jamison Winston in, I believe, something like 2012 or 2013, has Jimbo ever co coached a quarterback who's worth a shit? Worth a shit how? In college or in the NFL? Because, yes, either. Yeah, either. No, he has. Okay. So, because yeah, I said either because I think it's the same answer, right? Yeah, and that's that's my point. It's like he's supposed to be this big quarterback guru, but he's really fucking not, clearly, because they don't make explosive plays ever. Like, it's like I said, Calzada had to play the game of his life. Like, if you go back and watch some film on that game when he when they beat Alabama a year ago, that dude was making throws that he didn't make the rest of the year. I mean, a week later, they lost to Mississippi State at home. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> they were up for that game. Woohoo! You know, so I'm with you on some level. Like, show me first and I'll believe it. But basically, just based on schedule and talent, that's. <sighs> Even though yeah, they're not explosive, I, I just I have to give them the over. Uh, it's yeah, a, I just I couldn't overlook the schedule, yeah, as much as I wanted yeah. to. So, all right, uh, before we get into these last couple of teams, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from our friends at DraftKings, and then we will be back with Mississippi State and the Crimson Tide. Jason, take it away. Hey guys, join in on the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers Football Contest all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with the promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries depending on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details.
Anywho, all right, welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Uh, all right, boys. So, Eric, hit me with the uh, the pick so far. What we've we've covered? Uh, what? How many teams have we covered? We've covered five of the fourteen. We have. all right, or five of the seven? Yeah, excuse me. So hit. All right, let's uh, let's recap. Start start at the top. What what have we got so far? Okay, well, we've got Arkansas. Uh, Timmy and Eric with the over, Jason under seven and a half, Old Miss Aldi under seven and a half. Uh, you both took under six and a half for Auburn. I took the over because I'm pulling for Harson. And you're a lunatic. <laughs> uh, that, that's one of those I'm picking it because I want it to be true. Um, LSU, uh, Tim and I are on the under seven brigade, and Jason was the lone dissenter at over seven. Because he's a lunatic. We were all three over eight and a half for the Texas A&M Aggies. All right. Interesting. All right. Well, then uh, let's talk about uh, our favorite coach on this podcast. We are a Mike Leach fan club podcast, and I want to know what Mississippi State's going to do because they're coming in with a, let's see, what is that? Six and a half. Six, six and, a half. and a half. Yep. Okay. So they're coming in at six and a half, you know, last year, seven and six, you know, law. I mean, they did get blown out a couple of times, had a pretty tough schedule, but uh, what are we looking at this year, man? Because I'm looking at this team, like eh, I'm kind of, I kind of think they might take a step forward, man. So uh, where are we at? Talk to me about uh, the leech. Make Make the right choices, Eric. We have South End Zone podcast Mike Leach t-shirts being printed right now. Oof, the pressure's on. All right, I'm going to start with Mississippi State and talk about the things I like about them, other than Mike Leach, who I like a great deal. I like the quarterback a lot. I like Will Rogers. He put up uh, 4,700 yards. He completed 74% of his passes, 36 touchdowns against nine picks. Uh, I can like. I their- inter- can I yeah. interrupt you for a second? Please do. Just real quick, both you guys, where do you, I want to think, I want to make sure I'm not nuts here. Where do you rank Will Rogers nationally at quarterback? I mean, obviously behind like the Bryce Young and the CJ Stroud, you know, is he better, worse than Tyler Van Dyke? Like, where do you rank him nationally at QB? He's not as good as Tyler Van Dyke. I'll I'll say that outright, but I would agree with that. I would put him in like that lower B tier category, I guess, if you had like a, a tier system. I, I don't I don't have all the names off the top of my head, but you know, he's he's definitely above average. Is he better than Caleb Williams? Right now, probably. Mm. What do you think, Eric? I think it's tough to tell with the leech quarterback because his because of his system, the numbers just get inflated. <sighs> I guess if I had to do it, he would probably end up somewhere in the teens for me because he is a he is a really accurate passer. He doesn't necessarily stretch the field like some other guys, but he takes care of the football, which is job one of the quarterback, right? Don't give it to the other team. So uh, he, he's good. He probably doesn't get as much recognition as he deserves. I'd imagine he's going to come close to 5,000 yards again this year. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, continue. I just, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't completely nuts. Like I, I I've got him rated as like my number four quarterback in the country behind Van Dyke at three. That's high for me, but he's a good player. The other thing I like, or another thing I like about Mississippi state is their top two wide receivers are experienced and fairly talented. Austin Williams, uh, last two seasons, he's 
totaled out to just under a hundred catches, just under a thousand yards, seven scores. So he's been not, not really a part timer, but not the main focus either in the passing game, but he's been a contributor for two seasons. And the other guy, uh, Jaden Wally, 55 catches, six twenty-eight, six touchdowns. They're bringing back three starters on the offensive line, the three interior guys, uh, which on the surface looks good, but then you think, okay, well, that means they're replacing both tackles and they're probably one of those three returning starters they're going to have to shift outside. So their line is going to look a little different from last year. I like the experience and depth on their defense. They have a lot of older guys. They're bringing back 86% of their tackles, 82% of their interceptions, 78% of their sacks, 74% of their tackles for loss. The problem with their defense is they are so susceptible to giving up the huge play. Right, They were 18th in the country in... 10 plus yard plays allowed, which is pretty good. But then you go into how many plays of 40 yards or more did they give up? And they were 101st in the country. They were 107th in 50 plus yard plays allowed. So they kind of mixed in okay defense with huge blunders that, that really cost them. And another thing I like about them is they upgraded in the kicking game. Their kicking game was rough last year and it cost them probably two games. So they went and got a transfer from Coastal Carolina, uh, Massimo Biscardi, who has been pretty good for the Chanticleers last couple seasons. But where I kind of get hung up is you, you think about Mike Leach and you think about his offense, and you expect something better than 64th nationally in yards per play, you know, especially for a team that throws just over three quarters of the time, you know, with a quarterback who completes three quarters of his passes. So it's really not that explosive an offense. It's It's more of a a ball control and trying to get receivers in a position for yards after the catch. And I think that's tough to do in the SEC with the speed on defense that most of these teams have. So I, as much as I like Mike Leach and want to be him when I grow up, I'm going to reluctantly take the under because another trademark Mike Leach maneuver is losing one or two games a year that they absolutely positively should win. Um, And usually it's an inopportune time. So I'm going to say they go six and six, and I'm not going to feel great about it, and I'm going to hate myself a little bit in the morning, but under. Oh, man. All right, Timmy. Tee him up. Tell him where he's wrong. Well, be prepared to hate yourself every day for the rest of the offseason next year, (laughs) Eric, because they ain't going under, man. I'm on the over. Yes. This team's got a lot of talent and experience on both sides of the ball. You know, it just they just need to be a a touch more consistent and not give games away. You know, you mentioned the kicking game. Memphis, anyone? You kidding me? You kidding me? Had they had a competent kicker in that game, it would have been a different story. And, you know, a close game against Arkansas last year. You know, you flip those two games around, and all of a sudden they won nine games last year, and they finished second in the West. So I think there's, you know – talent buried underneath of that whatever you want to call it but i'm on the over so bottom line mm, well i'm going to join timmy on the over here I, I i agree i mean 17 starters coming back i like it i think will rogers is really really good they're bringing back a ton of production on both sides of the ball and i mean timmy you talked about winning them should have went in nine games last year. I mean, they lost to LSU by a field goal as well. I mean, they were right there 
they were a couple, two, three plays away from winning double-digit games. And to me, bringing back that much talent, I think it's an over, man. I mean, they you look at their schedule, Memphis win at Arizona. I mean, we already established Arizona's not going to win a game. We're going to 12 Yep. <laughs> so that's obviously a win. At LSU, toss-up. You know, they, they've had some uh, success up there in past years. So even if we p- pencil that in as a loss and then they play Bowling Green, so three and one start at worst. Bowling Green at home is no You should know that better than anybody. What do you care? Ooh, sick burn. This is Mississippi State. But point being, then they come home for Texas A&M and Arkansas. It's two tough games, but it's at home, man, the cowbell. Then they go on the road for Kentucky and Alabama. I don't like those games. But then they're back home for Auburn, and then they're going to lose to Georgia, and they close out with East Tennessee State and add Ole Miss. So I don't know, man. I think this team could win eight games. I mean, call me crazy, but give me the over on Leach. I think he lights up the scoreboard, maybe surprises a team or two. It's a reluctant over, but ultimately I'm going to take the over. So, all right. Let's talk about the last team here. Eric, I, I assigned this one to you just to make sure that our listeners, you know, don't hear the Homer, the Homerisms right out of the gate and there's no bias. So talk to me about the defending SEC champs, the Crimson Tide coming in with, according to VegasInsider.com, which is where we get all of our totals from, in case you guys were wondering, comes in with a 10 and a half. Vegas total. So talk to me about Alabama. Oh, Alabama, uh, 11 and one, won the SEC, won a semifinal game, lost in the championship game in what Nick Saban uh, recently called a rebuilding year. And I think a lot of people took that the wrong way because uh, he wasn't talking about after the fact. I think he was talking about their outlook going into the season when they lost all those guys after the 2020 championship, right? You're talking about first round quarterback, first round draft pick at running back, two first round draft picks, one of whom won the Heisman at wide receiver, uh, some offensive line guys, and they they really weren't sure what they had. And I didn't watch a whole lot of Alabama until the end of the year. I watched their last four games, and I think that was it. Uh, so the Iron Bowl, the SEC championship game, and the two playoff games. So some of this stuff, looking back kind of at their season last year and what they are bringing back from that this season, I was a little bit surprised some of the numbers I saw, but we'll start with the good. And that starts with uh, two guys, one on each side of the ball. Uh, Bryce Young, quarterback, threw for 4,872 yards, 47 touchdowns against seven interceptions, and won the Heisman Trophy. Jeez. And someone who put up even more ridiculous numbers uh, on the other side, Will Anderson, 17 and a half sacks and, uh, I'm sorry, 34 and a half tackles for loss. (laughs) Believe it or not, that led the country, and the guy in second for tackles and loss had uh, tw- had twenty two. Will Anderson had seventy one pressures last season. That's he's the best player on the field. He's the best player in college football. Period. Yeah. Now, some things they did not do well last year. They were not good up front, and that's probably especially for an Alabama team. But just saying, not good. Maybe even a little bit too generous. They have three starters back on the offensive line. None of them are Evan Neal, right? So they had a kind of a subpar offensive line last year and they lost their best player from that. They bring back three guys, but that line last year was 103rd in the country in sacks allowed. They were 111th in tackles for lost allowed. 
and they were 74th in yards per carry, 4.1 yards, which was their worst rushing average uh, in 15 years that I could find. So we're talking like Mike Shula era. How they solve that is going to go a long way, uh, I think, in this over-under. They weren't great running the ball. Brian Robinson had like 13 or 12 or 1300 yards and a dozen touchdowns last year. He's pretty good, but not like you're used to seeing. Offensively, I don't know if they'll be as good as last year because it remains to be so much last year was they had two yard after the catch monsters in John Mechie and Jamison Williams. And I don't know, you know, that's going to be tough to replicate. I think they'll be better running the ball. I think they'll maybe not be quite as good passing the ball. Overall, they'll be more balanced and probably close to as good, but maybe not quite. Now, defensively, I think they're going to be better because they have talent and experience and depth at basically all three levels on the defense. One guy I don't think gets talked about enough is Dallas Turner, who, if he was on any other team in America, would be getting a lot of publicity for for how good he is. He was, you know, he was a freshman last year. Uh, eight and a half sacks. You know, when you have Will Anderson on your team, there's not a whole lot of sacks to go around. Now, some of that is he's not getting doubled, and they did lose a guy in the interior that I think maybe ate up some blocks. But Dallas Turner is a really good. He's an explosive, fast, quick. Uh, he hits anything that moves. He's a really, really good player. You look at kind of the next level, right at the linebackers. Henry Two O Two O, 112 tackles and four sacks. Um, he's back. Then in the secondary, you got Jordan Battle back. You got DeMar, uh, DeMarco Helms back. They brought in Eli Ricks from LSU. He's probably going to start a corner on one side. And then uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, who was a freshman last year, he got pushed into some starts due to injury. Guys like Josh Job and, and things like that. And he actually he played pretty well, especially for a freshman. So he'll be back. I My guess is he'll start on the other side. But they also have Kyrie Jackson, who can either start on one side or the other, or maybe even play the slot sometimes. There's really no big question marks other than the offensive line for me. Now, given the the talent on defense and then the offensive skill positions, I think they're going to be able to overcome that. They have what looks like on paper, you know, some tough away games at Arkansas, uh, at LSU. I just, I couldn't look at this and find two losses, I guess is the shortest explanation I can give. I, I could envision them, you know, losing at Arkansas. Because I think they beat them by a touchdown last year. I could see them, maybe Texas can simply score enough points uh, to to win a shootout. But I just, I don't see both of those things happening. So uh, 11 wins. Book it. Boom. All right, Timmy. What do you got? Uh, This one is, you know, fairly obvious uh, to everybody. Alabama and over are like peanut butter and jelly. All right. (laughs) Ten ten and a half. I mean, when when you got a a team that went to the national championship game in a Nick Saban quote rebuilding year, like, come on, man. I think they'll probably drop one of three games against either A&M, Arkansas, or Tennessee. But even – Outside of that, it's just cruise control. So I don't think there's two losses on their schedule by any stretch. So definitely hammer the over on that one. Mm, interesting. Well, I mean, the, I, I agree with you, Eric. The offensive line needs to improve massively, giving up 41 sacks last year. But they did do a couple of things to uh, address that. They brought in Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt to play left tackle. He's a good player. And he's going to slot right in at left tackle. And I think, you know, eventually, I think he'll be an NFL guy 
uh, after this year. And also, J.C. Latham is going to slot in at right tackle. I mean, this is a kid who, you know, got forced into a little bit of action last year, but he played like defensive end for most of his high school career. So he's kind of a converted player. So I think another year in the system probably does him some good. So I think they'll be much better up front than they were a year ago. You know, my only question mark is the wide receiver core. I mean, I know we got Burton and Harold, but they're transfers. You don't know how good they're going to be. You know, I mean, there's good reports coming out of camp about Burton is that he looks really good and all that, but they did lose Jojo Earl uh, for probably six to eight weeks to injury and he was projected to start. So they've got some other guys that are going to have to step up, man. So that, that, that to me will be the most interesting part about Alabama is the playmakers. Who's going to step up, you know, what is it going to look like and what's the running game going to look like? Because, you know, last year they averaged 150 yards a game on the ground. That was the lowest total (laughs) in like 15 seasons. So it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I think if they can run the ball more effectively, which I expect them to do, I think that takes a lot of pressure off. I, I think you see those sack numbers really start to go down because you're you're facing fewer blitzes. You know, there's not as many opportunities. So I think just getting Jameer Gibbs in there and giving you know, and even setting him in for for screen passes, which is you know nowadays effectively a run play, and not trying to to wait out as many deep shots or intermediate routes over the middle. I I think that'll help as far as the pass protection, because they can't give up another 40 sacks this year. They just can't. Nick Saban will, will die on the sidelines. <laughs> Quite possibly so. All right, so that wraps up the SEC West. So uh, do we all expect Alabama to win the SEC West, just bottom line? Yes. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, uh, next week, uh, for our listeners, next week we're going to close out our preview season with the SEC East. And our week zero bets. And, man, college football, one more week, boys, and we'll be, like, making some bets to watch it. I'm pumped up. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. Let's get this damn offseason over with. This shit sucks. So, with that, we will be back with you next week with the SEC East and the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And, uh, yeah, we'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, and our other sponsors as well. And we'll be back with you next week. See you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day.